You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast with Brian Weber. It's a talk show. We talk. And former Pro Bowl Steelers quarterback Cordell Slash Stewart. Hey, get your popcorn ready. NFL No Huddle airs live weekdays from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. Eastern on the NFL on TuneIn, your everything audio app. Hello and welcome to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. I'm Brian Weber alongside Cordell Stewart. On today's podcast, we're going to spotlight the NFL scouting combine with Matt Harmon from NFL.com and focus on the 49ers with Kevin Lynch from KMBR in San Francisco. And Brian, we're going to kick off the podcast today with former NFL safety Nick Ferguson. Nick, you know the culture of the Bronco organization well, having played in Denver. What do you make of reports now that the Broncos apparently are all in in their pursuit to try to sign Kirk Cousins? Well, uh, gentlemen, thanks for having me. I'm not really surprised that they're all in. Uh, they have had some issues at the quarterback position. You have Chad Kelly, Kelly and Paxton Lynch on the roster at this time, and none of those guys have really performed well. Uh, Chad Kelly didn't play last year because of the wrist injury, and everyone seems to be in a holding pattern uh, for Kirk Cousin, and this is just only elevating – uh, his stature uh, around the league, and it's going to be really tough for the Broncos to try to uh, uh, get Kirk Cousins. Uh, Arizona is still in need of a quarterback. Uh, Minnesota is looking to make a strong push for uh, Kirk Cousins. So it's going to be very difficult. It's not as cut and dry and, and asking, hey, listen, we're the Denver Broncos. We have a great defense. We did it with Peyton Manning. Come and take a less discount joining our team and you'll be with John Elway, that, that's not going to be enough for Kirk Cousins, a guy who's pretty much had uh, the Washington Redskins over a barrel for the past couple of years. But it sounds great for fans. It builds a lot of uh, optimism. But whether you know, John Elway will be able to pull it off, I think they're going to find it really difficult to do. Well, Nick, I mean, Nick Ferguson, Nick Ferguson, um, Kirk Cousins, excuse me, uh, he is a middle-of-the-pack quarterback, um, and sometimes when getting into free agency to get that big number, uh, sometimes that number, tr- to me, ex- escalates because now it kind of spills over into the next couple years when it comes down to giving up that type of money that we anticipate in Kirk Cousins wanting. With saying that, the Denver Broncos has been a team that's not willing to give up that kind of money. I think the Minnesota Vikings is another team that they don't need much to be able to be successful. We saw that with Case Keenum and look at what's going on down there in Jacksonville and the monies they've given him. Now, an Arizona Cardinals team, sure, all day long because they need someone to come in with their veteran leadership and I think put this team in position to compete because defensively, we don't know for sure if Tyron Matthew is going to come back because there's been conversations about him maybe not being there. So when it comes down to teams like the Minnesota Vikings and even the Denver Broncos where it seemed probably little bit more enticing my question is do you think John Elway would be willing to give up that type of money to maybe end up handicapping their team as they move forward to do resigns resignings or even some trades throughout the National Football League well I I hope not I mean I talk to a lot of uh, Broncos fans and uh, I stay close to everything that's going on in the media but uh, a lot of individuals are hoping that you don't because here's what happens if you do. We're not just looking at the money and the financial aspect of it, but look what bringing in a guy like Kirk Cousins does to the chemistry of your offense and, more importantly, your defense, which has been the strongest suit, stronger part of the Denver Broncos organization at some times. That means you have to let some guys go 
in order to pay Kirk Cousins. And the guy that continues to jump out there is Aqib Tlaib. Well, an idea is like, well, we have Bradley Roby. That's great. That's why you drafted him in the first round. But he hasn't been the type of corner to play as many reps as Aqib Tlaib has played. He's played sparingly maybe in the slot. And some, some of those times he's had himself in some uh, difficult situations. So to me, you, you really don't do that. You don't want to do that to your team because – Elway being a Hall of Fame quarterback is another thing out of Denver that is is concerning. You've drafted two quarterbacks, and Paxton Lynch and Brock Osweiler, right? These two guys haven't really panned out thus far. So if you go out on the limb to go get a quarterback like Kirk Cousins, and yes, he has some games where he's been spectacular, but then for a guy who is looking to make thirty plus million a year, you want to know that. He can will your team to a couple of victories. But at the risk, and I think I said this last week on the program, to hamstring your franchise and put them in a financial bind like that, you don't want to do that. There's other options that are out there, viable options that you can go out, you can build a team around, still be competitive within your division, and still have an opportunity to play in a, in a meaningful playoff game or even make it to the Super Bowl because the quarterback position is not the only guy that gets you there. It's a team effort. But we're seeing so many teams – you know, jump out there on a Kirk Cousin bandwagon, and now we're seeing the same thing happen with a lot of these young quarterbacks. But you have to build the team, not the other way around. We just get a quarterback, and that just kind of change everything because quarterbacks can't throw it and they can't catch it at the same time, and they don't play defense. We are focusing on today's top stories with Nick Ferguson, the former NFL safety. Nick, let me take it to Minnesota. How do you see the Vikings quarterback situation playing out amid reports they are not going to use the franchise tag on Case Keenum? Well, that was kind of uh, surprising. I know that uh, on this program, uh, you he's not a fan favorite of yours. But well, Cordero Nick, I have eyes. I saw him turn it over three times in the NFC Championship game. Well, <laughs> well, when I look at you, you know, the fact that, that right? Nick? Sort of like Nick, was I not vindicated? Kingdom. Was I not vindicated by his no, awful performance in the NFC title game? No. Well, no, I don't. I don't think that beware that vindicates you. That's just the fact that once again it proves my point. It takes more than a quarterback to win a football game, and the loss to Minnesota wasn't entirely on Case Keenum because that defense, uh, that Zimmer defense that was one of the top defenses in the league, they didn't show up in that game. They didn't support him the way that they, they should have. So to me, we always look at the quarterback when they win, and in this case, you know, everyone pointed the finger at Case Keenum because no one believed in him, but he helped put them in that position. So that was why surprising to me that they're saying, okay, well, we're not going to slap the tag on you. We're going to allow you to go hit the market, see what the market value is, and maybe if it's not too costly, maybe we try to bring you back because, once again, we just talked about the guy, Kirk Cousins. Everyone's in love with Kirk Cousins. Everyone's trying to get Kirk Cousins. If Minnesota were able to get signed Kirk Cousins, that doesn't fix the problems in your secondary because you have guys who can't make plays, and that showed up in the playoffs with the Minnesota Vikings defense. They cannot make plays in the back end. So once again, the same kind of situation with the Denver Broncos. I think Minnesota Vikings, they're not that strapped for cap space as the Broncos. But to me, what are you willing to sacrifice for a guy like Kirk Cousins? So that means you go get Cousins, you all in for Kirk Cousins for the first two seasons. 
But then after that, what? What have you done to your salary cap? What have you done to your roster? You got to think about it because Aaron Rodgers is going to get paid in Green Bay. Mm-hmm. So in that division, you ask me who I'm going to take, Aaron Rodgers or Kirk Cousins, I'm going to go with Aaron Rodgers all the time. So you better make sure whoever you select at that quarterback position, they are efficient, and you better make sure you have a defense that can back him up, a real defense. And here's the thing that I think you said, uh, which is they have a better team than the Green Bay Packers. And that's what I mentioned going into this season is I'm going with the Minnesota Vikings team, and I'll let Brian Weber have Aaron Rodgers and see how far that's gotten him because this team has proven – yeah. Thank you. Hey, <laughs> Nick Ferguson, let me give it to you because we may not How do it again. How many Super but, Bowls have the Vikings <laughs> won in team history, Cordell? How many Super Bowls have the Vikings won in franchise history? Back to what I was saying, The answer Nick is Ferguson. zero, but continue so when your when it comes down to it, what Brian Weber wants to do, he wants to bring in a Kirk Cousins and give him a boatload of money and think that's going to help them win the Super Bowl. He has to remember, the Philadelphia Eagles played some of the best football in that NFC Championship game than they played the entire year when it comes to Nick Foles being the quarterback on this football team. I mean, how many times have we seen this defense get beat deep when it comes to throws that were made by Nick Foles? I don't care who. Matter of fact, they were so good, they beat the, 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 one of the if the people call him the GOAT and, and Tom Brady. They beat him in a Super Bowl. So all I'm basically saying is, is that because the numbers – may present that there may be some moxie or this may be a big splash doesn't always transcend into winning championships. And to me, Kirk Cousins is a middle-of-the-road quarterback anyway. It's just right now, because of the value of what he's done with the last two years, how, you know, you end up getting a franchise tag, so now he becomes the hot commodity. I still don't think he gets a, a contract similar to what we see from a Jimmy Garoppolo, but he gets paid very handsomely to go somewhere. In my opinion, I hope somewhere like the Arizona Cardinals. Cordell, let, let, me, let me piggyback off of that. That is kind of the misconception in the NFL is when a guy is getting paid a hefty amount of money that somehow translates into how great that player is. Let's not forget how Kirk Cousins was awarded this money. Washington Redskins, they didn't have an heir apparent in waiting, so they had no choice. So it was just like either we go out and try to draft a quarterback who doesn't have that much experience or we stick with what we have. And because they could not find a quarterback, because they failed to develop a quarterback, you saw Kirk Cousins back up the Brinks truck twice. So now the idea is that, well, yeah, I mean, they paid him an enormous amount of money, so that's his market value. And say, oh, yeah, well, he's through for some, some great yards in the NFL. Yeah, Tony Romo's done that too, but he didn't make it to the Super Bowl. So you have to ask yourself, how much are we willing to sacrifice and put into Kirk Cousins? And can he? We truly believe, and only you know, Mike Zimmer and that Minnesota staff can truly a- answer this, and the new offensive coordinator, Joe DiFilippo, can, if we were to bring Kirk Cousins in, does that now put us at the top of the list in the NFC? And I say no, it doesn't. A boom. Taking you around the league with Nick Ferguson, who had to sit through the longest question in the history of sports media for my friend Cordell Stewart. Let me get you something more succinctly. We tell like it is, Nick. We're not afraid to delve into social issues on this program. Are there racial overtones in the suggestion Lamar Jackson should move from quarterback to wide receiver? Yeah, I would have to say. I mean, I saw a tweet earlier from uh, a guy who I idolized as a kid, Deion Sanders, and he kind of hinted at the same thing. And when you ask a kid who's been playing quarterback you know, all his career and you watch him uh, throw for 
more than 9,000 yards, and we could talk about what he's done rushing the ball. And he won the Heisman one year, and then he was a runner-up uh, the following year. How can you ask that kid uh, to participate in wide receiver drills when you didn't ask Baker Mayfield? I mean, just like all these kind of slanderous comments are coming out about uh, Lamar Jackson as far as what he lacks in his ability and his, his size and things that he, he can't do. And I understand that's the design of the combine. We, we, we want to see you, but we want to highlight the things that, that you can't do well. But they're not asking Baker Mayfield to run routes. They're not asking Josh Allen to run routes. Heck, they didn't ask Tim Tebow or Johnny Manziel to run routes. So why are you asking this young man? That, it makes absolutely no sense. And don't get it twisted because he is an athletic guy. We've seen him with a lot of explosive runs. And we can say, well, he's athletic and he's only thrown 59% as far as passing. Well, the pocket breaks down and he has to use his mobility to put points on the, bo- on the board and, and create things. So he's creative. I thought in the NFL, that's what you wanted from the quarterback position. But to undermine the kid and ask him to go out and run wide receiver routes, I'll tell them, look, Thank you, but no thank you. I'm a quarterback, period. The person that said that, Nick, was Bill Poling. Now, you got to go back to 1995 when I went to the combine. You know what the Indianapolis Colts asked me to do at the combine? Try out that running back. Yeah, they asked me to try out that running back. So it doesn't <laughs> shock me that Bill Poling came right out and he even hesitate in his interviews and talking on television saying that he should move to wide receiver when he never played the position before and saying he doesn't want to he doesn't want him to wait till he's 29 years old like a Terrell Pryor that chose to move well look Terrell Pryor didn't win the Heisman Trophy at playing quarterback on this football team he wasn't capable of making the throws when he was at Ohio State like we see a Lamar Jackson so when you see that I call it I call it prejudice at the position because everyone looks at that position as being a certain type of a way and when it comes down to you being too athletic, sometimes they use it against you as opposed to for you to the point where they end up hindering your progress as you move forward. So with saying that, when you compare Lamar Miller to the rest of the quarterbacks, Josh Allen, Josh Rosen, even Sam Darnold, Baker Mayfield, where would you slot a Lamar Jackson amongst those few quarterbacks that I just mentioned? Well, looking at the fact that he was measured today uh, 6'4 and a half. I think six two and a half. Excuse me, uh, two sixteen. He has the size. Then we look at his athletic ability. He definitely has that because when you look at what the NFL is doing as far as making those defensive linemen, those pass rushers faster, you have to be able to run away and separate from those guys. So for me, I'm going to put him at number one based based upon that. And then every then we can say, okay, well, what about throwing uh, from the pocket? Yeah, his accuracy can improve. But that goes with coaching. That's what you're supposed to do as a coach. That's your job. If you need to work on his foot mechanics more to make him a more accurate passer, then do your job and help him out as far as that regard. But, you know, looking at this class, looking at athletic ability, looking at a brand for that matter, because if you're taking in the first round, we're looking for you to sell tickets and win games. I mean, who's more blockbuster when you look at the type of quarterback and having splash plays? That's Lamar Jackson. Yeah, this, will things change in the league opposed to college football? Absolutely. But who, who's better equipped to make those adjustments? It's Lamar Jackson. So to me, for the, if I'm Lamar Jackson and I'm his camp, I'm not worrying about going first overall. It's about where I land. Because you can land in Cleveland, and then guess what? They'll be drafting another quarterback next year. So it's about where you land. 
You don't necessarily have to go in the first round, but it's where you land, having the support cast behind you and the coaching staff that believes in you. So I'm in support of Lamar Jackson, and I hope he makes a decision not to participate in the wide receiver drills. Nick, great information as always as we let you go because we were lengthy today. I'm still recovering from Cordell's question. Was there even a question in there? There was a long series of statements. See, what he doesn't understand, Nick. My ego's is, a little fragile, this, Nick. The show is always about being conversational. <laughs> See, he, has a, he likes in that category for us a conver- conversation. Not so much just asking a direct question, yes. but you have right. to make it conversational because it's a talk show. We talk. Or you can we ask the talk. question. Answer it. Ask it again. But Nick, and here's he my thought. Bye-bye. That's not good. My he ego is fragile too, today. My ego is fragile. Uh-huh. For I think the rain in Southern California has me a little bit down. What was I more right about? The Jacksonville Jaguars or Case Keenum ultimately burning the Vikings? What do it's you think? It's okay to say neither. I would say uh, both you and I were more accurate about uh, the Jaguars and seeing as far as how far they have uh, ascended so quickly when not so many people, Cordell Stewart, did not give them any credit at all. So I expect them to improve on what they were able to do this past season. But I still think, beware, that you were a little tough on Case Keenan because there's some ability there. No, what ability? Not, Turn it over three times in the NFC title game? That's a real ability. Again. That's transcendent. Yeah, he, he has some ability. Hey, Hey, quarterbacks turn the ball over. Drew Brees turned it over twice, if I'm not mistaken. He's going to the Hall of Fame. Hey, Nick, you know you're not going to win this one with me, but I appreciate you bolstering my Jaguar opinion. Have a marvelous weekend. (laughs) We'll chat with you soon. All right. Talk to you guys next week. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast, and we'll be right back with more after this. TuneIn has what you need and when you want it when on the run and on the go. Covering all musical needs. Today's hits. Latin hits. Country roads. Hip hop beats. Sit down. Supporting artists and the music they make exclusively on TuneIn. Welcome back to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. Next on NFL, no hold of the podcast. Let's take you around the league with Matt Harmon from NFL.com. Matt, thanks for taking the time. Got to start with today's big trade. What do you make of the news that Robert Quinn will be on the move from the Rams to the Dolphins? Yeah, yeah at first blush, well, for one, thank you guys so much for having me. Really appreciate it. It's a, it's a fun time in the NFL offseason right now. So much going on. And, yeah, of course, we're sitting here on a Friday. We get that news dump uh, that, that Robert Quinn's moving on to the Dolphins and You know, the Dolphins are a fascinating team right now because obviously they slapped the franchise tag on Jarvis Landry, which takes up a big amount of their cap space. Uh, And now they bring in a pretty big contract from Robert Quinn for a position that they definitely needed. They had to get better in the front seven. I think they have some talented pieces in the secondary, and this is a nice addition to their defense. And then on the Rams side, this is a really intriguing move because Robert Quinn, I mean, he's he's a good player, no doubt about it, but this clears a lot of cap space off their books. They're quietly moving up into the top half of the league in terms of cap space right now, which gives them a lot of room to not only at some point probably maybe extend uh, Marcus Peters, the cornerback they just brought in, but also take care of some of their own players like Sammy Watkins and LaMarcus Joyner, uh, whoever they don't slap the franchise tag on in in the coming days. Give me your take on the notion that maybe Carlos Hyde may not be uh, with the 49ers. Uh, but yet at the same time, I'm thinking, well, how about the 49ers moving to the first spot, uh, give up those two picks they got from Chicago last year, maybe the second and third round picks, and grab someone like a Saquon Barkley? 
that's really tempting because if, if you just look at what they did, uh, obviously last year they had Jimmy Garoppolo come in. Everybody knows the story. They win five games. They, big, they give him the big contract. Totally worth it. I mean, he was awesome to end the year. It does seem like that they need that kind of finishing touch at the running back position. Uh, to me, I, I would love to see them really allocate those resources elsewhere, maybe even on the defense in the secondary, uh, because they do have Kyle Shanahan, who has obviously gotten a lot of production out of lesser talented backs, whether uh, he was with Washington, uh, in, other, in other situations too. We've seen that system be able to crank out really talented or really good running back production despite not spending high-priority resources in the draft or free agency to get some of those players. I think that's kind of even a more tempting idea, maybe try to get some of these low-priority guys, get them in a productive system, and then spend that money in cap resource, or money in draft picks to kind of bring in some guys in the defensive secondary, maybe one more pass catcher to kind of finish that core around Jimmy Garoppolo. Matt Harmon, NFL.com, is our guest on the NFL on TuneIn. Matt, let's move to the combine with the quarterbacks on display tomorrow. Everybody except for USC quarterback Sam Darnold is expected to throw. Where do you come down on Josh Allen? I love the report yesterday from the performance guru. When we get to the pro day, he's going to throw it 90 yards on campus of Wyoming. So we know about the big arm, the big body. How concerned are you that he was wildly inaccurate in Wyoming, didn't even have a completion percentage of 60%. That's right, yeah. He, he's definitely a guy that strikes me as a bit of a project. Look, I know that NFL teams drool over size and tools and arm strength and everything like that, and I get it. Those are rare qualities. When you see it, it's hard to ignore it. Uh, but to me, I definitely think that I, I want to see maybe one of these teams in the back half of the first round take him and kind of let him marinate for a little while behind an established starter, uh, get, some, get some time to develop those tools because to me, yeah, I totally, it's not just statistically. Like, you see it on film. You see it when you watch him, him sail some of these balls, him be a little off target. It's not just the fact that he played with a, with a uh, supporting cast that's probably not up to par with some of these other guys, maybe a Rosen or, or a Darnold or, or what have you. Uh, I definitely think he needs some time, for, for sure. So I would like to see him uh, go, go to one of these other teams. Really, honestly, what he does, at a pro day is not going to make a big difference to me. Even It would be great to see him come out and shine if he's really accurate with the ball at the combine or his pro day, whatever. But those are really set conditions. Uh, so I'm not, I'm not all that interested in what he's going to do there. Uh, I definitely just think it's going to be about team fit and maybe not throwing him out there so early because he definitely has a great skill set. You just want to see it be developed right. How high do you think Lamar Jackson can jump in the first round if there is a chance? Look, I really like Lamar Jackson, and I don't know if you guys got, I got to see too much of his press conference today. I was watching it on our internal feed here at the network. He's not just, I mean, obviously on the field, super exciting player. I think he does obviously have the skill set to be a top-level quarterback, but I love the way he came out in that press conference and just really owned everything, you know, just threw it out there like, I'm a quarterback, no teams have asked me to be a wide receiver, I'm a quarterback, and even when so people kind of pushed him on the issue, like, well, would you be open to playing another position? He just he almost just kind of gave him the eye roll, you know. <laughs> I'm a quarterback. I've always been a quarterback. I don't see why I'm changing positions at this point. So I think all that's kind of nonsense. And I do think, look, when you're an NFL team, quarterback is the most important position on the field. It might be the most important position in sports. So I really would love to see him stick it out of quarterback, potentially make a team even better. And, and right now, rushing – when you're a quarterback that can run the ball, like it's just another added dimension. So I definitely see him being uh, picked in the first round. Wouldn't surprise me at all if he's a top 20 pick because 
you know, the, the quarterback thirst is real, man. And I, I think some team is going to like him, going to like not only what he brings on the field, but like that guy as the face of the franchise, that guy who command that press conference today. Because we know that it, it's so much more the evaluation for those on the inside. It's more than just about what they can do on the field. It's about being a face of the franchise. It's about being a representative figure. And I, I thought Lamar Jackson really aced that taste test today. So, Matt, Cordell, shares your opinion. If Lamar Jackson is indeed a first-round pick, how many quarterbacks do you project going in round one? I think it's going to be these these four that we're talking about for sure, uh, and Jackson's going to slip in there too. You know, Darnold, Rosen, Mayfield, Allen, and, and, and Lamar Jackson. I think all five of those guys get in there. I don't really see a, a clear dark horse right now. I mean, I, I know there are some, some people that like Mason Rudolph, I'll tell you what, I, I just put out a chart the other day charting all of uh, uh, James Washington's routes from the games that I sampled, and I thought there was a lot of yards left on the field by the quarterback at Oklahoma State. Um, Richmond kid, uh, Kyle Oletta, I think he's got some believers, but I don't think that any of these other guys are sneaking in the first round. I think it's going to be these five, and I think this is a pretty a good quarterback class. All these guys have a case to be uh, a face of the franchise type. As long as, again, they, they end up with the right team fit, they end up – with an organization that has some clarity about what they want from the position. I think those five go in the first round for sure. With seeing Saquon Barkley being able to run a 4-4 flat in a 40, 40 officially, does that pretty much solidify the things that he was able to do, especially early in the year where he was touted to be one of the Heisman Trophy favorites? I got to tell you, Cordell, it was almost more impressive to me than the 4-4-40 was the vertical jump. I mean, that, that really shows that lower body explosion. And I love when a combine result really backs up what you see uh, when you watch the player on Saturdays in college. And I, I thought that Saquon Barkley was just so explosive laterally, can really make defenders miss in the open field. And what's even more impressive to me than what he does uh, on the ground as a runner is what he does as a receiver. I mean, this guy can make you think he's Christian McCaffrey sometimes with the way he runs routes and the way he makes plays as a receiver, and and there's like a 40-pound difference between those two guys. That is wildly impressive. Uh, So to me, I think that's what's going to really – I am a little iffy on whether taking a running back in the top half of the 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 first round is a good move, considering there's just so many other valuable positions. Uh, And running back production really is replaceable by some of these guys in the later round, whether it's, you know, Kareem Hunt, Alvin Kamara, third-round picks. Uh, But to me, what what can make that pick worth it is the ability to – not just function as a pass catcher, but be a true weapon as a receiver. And I think Saquon Barkley can be that weapon, which is why I think I'd be okay if a team wants to make that big investment in him. Matt, we appreciate the information. Enjoy the rest of the combine. Thanks for joining us today on the NFL on TuneIn. My pleasure. Thanks so thanks much for having me, guys. I hope you guys enjoy the combine. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. We'll be right back after this. The boys of summer are back. And a fly ball well hit. Back to the wall. He leaps. Can't get it. It's a home run. MLB Spring Training is here, and you can catch every game from Florida and Arizona live with your subscription to TuneIn Premium. Rivalry games, split squad games, TuneIn has it all. When the pitch count begins for real, catch every game of the 2018 MLB season from opening day to the MLB World Series live on TuneIn. It's gone. It's a home run. Major League Baseball is on TuneIn Premium. Listen all season long. This is NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart.
As we close out NFL No Huddle, the podcast, let's break down the San Francisco 49ers with Kevin Lynch of KMBR in San Francisco. Kevin, thanks for taking the time. Did the luck of Jimmy Garoppolo continue today, even though he wasn't there, but the team's undefeated since he took over as a starter. Another victory in kind, winning the coin flip at the scouting combine, edging out the Raiders. Now San Francisco has the number nine overall pick. Yeah, man, I, um, maybe Garoppolo was there, or or this, his, his spirit was there. But, you know, it's kind of a – it could be a significant thing because both teams are, are looking for similar things. You know, they're looking for middle linebackers. They're, they're looking for corners and pass rushers. So um, uh, having the ninth pick over the tenth pick could be, uh, could be key for two teams that are looking for similar things. When you look at this team and, and how it's trying to be developed, uh, of course, you start off with Pierre Garçon. Uh, Carlos Hyde, obviously, is still a part of it. Uh, he's been, I think, the catalyst of, of all of it through the trenches over the past couple of years. And uh, then you have Jimmy Garoppolo. And then you have this kid by the name of uh, Ruben Foster. Give me your take on how this may have changed the complexity of how this team looks at this draft with the issues that he has off the field. Yeah, well, you know, I think uh, inside linebacker becomes a real, real need now, and uh, you know they do play sort of a, a modified three-four, and they do you know use two inside linebackers quite a lot. Um, they needed one to begin with to play alongside Foster, and now they may need two. I mean, there, there's a possibility Foster will. Um, I mean, who knows what's going to happen? But there's a possibility he could miss half the season with, with with suspensions. So, and you don't know what he's going to do in the future. Uh, a lot of a lot of teams pulled him off their boards last year because, uh, as one team said, uh, he lacked uh, quote unquote life skills. So, hopefully, he can get it together and and be okay and have a good career. But if not, uh, I think the 49ers have to account for that. Well, Kevin, if you're talking about the cloudy future for Reuben Foster, given what we knew to be true all the way back to the Combine last year, we were there, he got into the altercation with the medical worker, now we know the much more serious legal allegations. Is there a chance he's already played his last game for the 49ers? That's a possibility. I mean, it depends upon what happens with this court case, what's revealed, uh, what sort of evidence there is, what's what's proven or disproven. You know, there was uh, an also a weapons charge. Did did he threaten uh, his partner with with the with the gun? Can that be proven? Uh, those are all parts of, uh, of parts of this case going forward. When you look at bringing in Jimmy Garoppolo, uh, I think most may have thought uh, this could be something good, or, or we're just wondering to see could he have an opportunity to come in for Bether or even fill in for Brock, uh, Brian Hoyer. Uh, but now that we've had a chance to see him play, I mean, it looks as if he's been in a game or in that system for a very, very long time. How much easier uh, is he making it for this organization to be able to structure this team uh, around him and, and most importantly, put the pieces in the right places? Uh, yeah, I mean, he's he's been key. And one of the things that he's able to do is keep long drives going. And when he got in there, the time of possession was really favorable for the 49ers, and that's that's been a great help to the defense. Defense improved immediately when he got in there because they got more rest, and um, he was able to to stay on the field quite a bit. Uh, you know, convert third downs with uh, with his with his short passing. The thing that he really does so well, I think, is see the field and just do things 
uh, impromptu. And that's, I think, one of the things that hopefully the coaches notice is not to put too much scheme on him, I don't think, and, and sort of let him see the field, make plays up, uh, and, and go from there. Highlighting the 49ers with Kevin Lynch from KMBR, the sports leader in San Francisco. Cordell referenced Carlos Hyde. Kevin, what do you think the offseason is going to look like for the running back? You know, I'm not sure what if he's going to be back or not. Um, you know, he's due to be a free agent. So um, will the 49ers go out and get another uh, another back? Uh, will they keep him? There's been rumblings that they won't re-sign him. So um, that's going to be uh, an interesting situation. He doesn't necessarily fit what they do. I mean, he he's not, uh, you know, he does a lot of things well. What he What he doesn't have is that quickness that you need for that inside zone run, running game. Um, and so that's, that's one of the things that, that, that hasn't fit with him. He's also, I mean, his stats are good, but often he's inconsistent. And he can, he's a big back, but sometimes he doesn't play like a big back. I mean, a lot of times he does, but there, there are times when he goes down a little bit too easily, I think. So that's, that's an issue that, uh, that they're going to look at very closely if that's the case, with the 49ers being at number nine and knowing that you have uh, the young kid, Saquon, Saquon Barkley, excuse me, uh, that's probably going to become right. a hot commodity running a 4 4 1 in the 40 at the combine. Give me your take on does that entice the 49ers to maybe make a move to fill, fill that void for Carlo, Carlos Hyde if there is a chance that he may be gone? Yeah, I mean, th- th- that's, that's, that, that could be the case. Um, I know that, you know, with this, uh, I don't know how much Kyle is like his, his dad, Mike, in this regard, but um, Mike Shanahan, of course, was great at finding backs and uh, finding backs later in the draft. And, and, and does, does Kyle have that sort of reputation? Um, that's going to be something that, to look at because maybe they don't need to, to go for Barkley at number nine if they can find it back in the second or third round or even fourth round. Um, there's also free agency. Um, there's Le'Veon Bell. So uh, that's that's something that uh, I think the 49ers will look at real real closely. Kevin, last one for me. Here's a fun exercise from the Sports Talk Radio Handbook that I learned when I worked at KMBR years ago. Who's going to have more mm-hmm. wins this year, the 49ers or the Raiders? You know, I think the 49ers will have more wins. Um, I, I think that they... They could have had a lot more wins last year if uh, if Garoppolo was on the team from say they made the trade in in July or August in, instead of October. Uh, also, they had twenty guys on IR last year. They're going to get all those guys back plus a new a draft of a, a nine man draft class. Um, plus, they have plenty of money to go after free agents. So. I think they were maybe a 500 team last year, and now they get um, as many as you know 34 players, new players uh, to, to to fit in this year. So, and they get Garoppolo back in a second year. Where he knows the system better. Um, uh, they they could be a pretty good team.
Kevin, how has things changed since uh, the beginning, trying to grab a, not trying, but grabbing a, a John Lynch? And I'm, I know some may have scratched their heads, but the moves that they've been making and the things that they're trying to do moving forward, how has that transition been with the media and also the fan base uh, there when it comes to him coming in out of the booth as a former NFL player and actually being able to make some big moves? Yeah, I think he's, he surprised a lot of people, and people here, of course, love it. And and he's been he's been making some great moves. Obviously, I mean, the trade for Garoppolo was unbelievable. Uh, and the thing that I think that he's done really well, and I think that uh, what was surprising for someone without a background in being an executive is his ability to come in and organize his department. I mean, everybody has a role. Everybody knows what their role is. Uh, that wasn't the case uh, necessarily in, in, in the last few years. So he's been a really good executive in terms of leading his department, hiring and firing people, giving people what roles, and having those, all those roles really defined. And I think that's really helped the 49ers. Kevin, always good to chat with you. Thanks for joining us again today on the NFL on TuneIn. All right. Thanks, guys. Take care. Thank you for listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast on iTunes with Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. Listen live weekdays from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. Eastern by downloading the TuneIn app and searching NFL No Huddle. The National Football League is on. TuneIn, your everything audio app.